Hey guys, you are listening to the Your Today Story podcast, and I am your host, Gina Kershaw. <sighs> if you clicked on this podcast after reading the title, I just want to thank you for being here and for trusting me with this topic. Uh, it's going to get vulnerable. In all honesty, I may even cry. I don't know. But um, I just really want to share a few things today. And uh, it's some shiz. <laughs> I think it qualifies for one of those disclaimers that may delete later. But <laughs> we'll see. Um, before I start, and specifically because you clicked on this topic, if you did, um, I want to ask, how are you? Are you doing okay? Uh, if you are going through something right now, I just want to send my loving energy towards you and to let you know how valued and loved you are and just to say that everything is going to be okay. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to hear that and wanted to be asked if I was okay. And I do want to make sure that you're okay and um, to tell you that you are loved and valued. Um, without going through the regular introduction music and all of that, I just, I couldn't do that today. I wanted to just dive in. And I want to let you know, if you didn't know already, that um, I'm going to talk about a few hard things today. So you may not want to listen with kiddos in the car. Um, it's a few hard things. I may swear. Oh, probably. It happens sometimes. <laughs> um, and of course, if you have experienced trauma, uh, a few things I talk about in this episode could be triggering for you. So I want to put that right out front because I don't want you to be surprised by anything I'm going to talk about. So wow, this January, January 2022, has been kind of crazy so far, Uh I did a podcast uh, last week, and I wanted to call it like, what the fuck, January? Um, but <laughs> I called it something else, <laughs> something long and uh, uninspiring probably. But um, I started off with that feeling like, WTF, January? Why do you got to make me feel like I need to be a new person? But here's what happened. January actually responded by giving me this beautiful, beautiful gift. Somehow this month, January, became the month, and I'm assuming the year, of trusting myself. January has become the month of decisions. I've always felt like a pretty good decision maker, but for some reason, my eyes have been opened <laughs> this January, and I have done things in just a, these few short weeks that I have been lingering over for years, like 7, 10, 15 years. And you guys, I don't want to linger anymore. I just don't want to linger longer. 
(laughs) I don't want to do it anymore. And I don't want to have my foot in the door of rooms that I don't want to go into anymore. Like, why am I keeping my foot in that door? And I also want to open doors that I've been afraid of opening. So far this month, I've closed two doors. So two doors that I wanted to close a very long time ago, but I didn't because (laughs) I was worried about what people would think. I was worried about what people would say. I was worried about hurting people. And my foot has been lingering in those doorways for years. I'm telling you, years. And when I finally pulled my foot out and closed the door, it was liberating. It was peaceful. And... An unexpected result was all of a sudden, I felt like this space within me, within my soul, this space that was now available for all the goodness and abundance that is coming my way. I didn't realize that I had been closing myself off to a lot of those things in many ways just by keeping these doors open. And like I said, I've opened doors as well that had been closed. Um, And one of those is therapy. So I told you guys, this is going to be a vulnerable share. I hope it's okay with you. I'm going to tell you stuff. Um, I have needed therapy for a long time, right? I, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that My husband and I have gone through um, just some difficult relationship issues. We've we've dealt with infidelity. Um, I mean, that was the biggest one. It was no good. But I just didn't ever go to therapy. And you know what? I needed it. Boy, did I need it. I have experienced anxiety and depression and needed therapy and didn't open that door. And the reason why I didn't open the door was because I just had all these excuses. Like, oh, it's going to be too expensive. I don't even know how to find somebody. How am I going to find somebody who's good? Um, I just, there's not, I just don't have enough time to do this. Like, how am I going to do this with kids? And I started that this month. I'm just, I'm honestly so proud of myself. And the, um, you know, the virtual therapy has been a godsend because it made it easy for me to do it from the comfort of my own home. And, um, and they even have a sliding scale for fees. And if you don't like the first one that they give you, you can change easily. Like there's no hurting anybody's feelings. It was really good. And so I've just started that and I'm starting to see what, difference that this can make. And here's kind of what I wasn't expecting (laughs) was I, you know, I kind of always thought that a therapist would listen to my story and say, okay, here's what's going on. This is what you have to do. Like they would fix me. (laughs) They would fix my situation somehow. They would give me some kind of toolkit that I could use to fix things. 
But what's been so enlightening and what's been so beautiful is not anything that my therapist has said, but it's the fact that I feel like I can finally speak my truth without worrying about what someone else is going to think. I didn't know that's what I needed, but that's what I needed. And just by being able to open my soul and speak my truth without worry of any kind of repercussions, I am, I'm starting to understand myself better and I'm trusting myself so much more, which the trusting myself led to me closing the two doors that I should have closed a long time ago. And I realize that this is just a beginning. I have a lot of work to do, um, but I'm doing it. I'm investing in myself, um, and it feels really good, you guys. And that that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today, because as I as I'm teaching women how to manifest how to manifest everything they have a soul desire for. I'm seeing and recognizing these limitations that block, that block the manifestations. Um, sometimes people don't even like want to say the word manifestation, like it's somehow taboo or like they're asking for something that they shouldn't be asking for. There's so many blocks, but you know, why, why block something? Why block our ability, um, to receive something that our divine source of intelligence wants us to have. If it's something that will make us truly happy, then it's destined for us. It's supposed to be ours. And yet we we limit ourselves so much. So many women just limit themselves and don't open their minds to the possibility that they really can have what they want. Why? Oh, Why? So here's what happens. Manifestation just absolutely will not work if your heart is not in the asking. So what I mean by that is if you're half-heartedly asking for some more fill-in-the-blank in your life, but your heart isn't in the ask, you are not going to get it. Manifestation is the giving. It's a giving of all abundance from God or from the universe. And it's not subjective. It's actually a universal law like gravity. And if you know how to use it correctly, your life will never be the same. (laughs) Never be the same. It's a universal law. But here's, here's the thing that gets in the way. Your heart and your mind have to match in the desire of what you want. And if your heart and mind match, the universe will provide that thing to you. There's no exceptions to the rule. It's not for some people, but not for you. (laughs) No, it is for everyone. It's for everyone. So you may be asking like, well, why isn't it happening, you know, for me? 
why isn't it happening in my life? There's things that I definitely want and, and my heart really wants them, but why aren't they happening? And this is where I want to segue into the dark night of the soul. And that that phrase, I don't know where I heard that before, but it might have some official meaning in certain philosophies. But for me, the dark night of the soul is what happens when I feel shame. It feels dark. It feels heavy. And shame can take on lots of levels. And I hope it's okay if I share some of my own personal experiences, but any kind of shame creates a darkness that can make it very hard for your heart and mind to manifest. It puts up a brick wall. Shame and manifestation are like oil and water. You cannot have both. And if you have shame over even, you know, small things, and I'll share a few examples with you in just a moment, but if you have shame over over things in your life, then you are um, inadvertently blocking the manifestation and the abundance that can easily come into your life because it is a universal law. If your heart and soul are in the right place, your heart and your mind. So here's just a few examples. So let's say, let's say you want more love in your life. You desire like more than anything, a loving relationship that is meaningful and fulfilling. But if you've been shamed before about your appearance your, um, how you grew up, your ideas, who you are, then the reality is that you're probably not going to put yourself out there for the universe to do its work, for the universe to do its magic and put this person in your life. When you've been shamed, you protect yourself. And that's something the universe can't work with. So, And maybe this will resonate with you. If you've been shamed about your appearance and you think you don't take good pictures, (laughs) you may not, you know, get on a dating app or you may not put yourself in some place where the universe can, can actually create an opportunity for you. That's one example. Let's say you want a new career, but you've been shamed at some point in your life about your skill level or your ambition, if that's the case, you may not ever go for it or open yourself up to new opportunities. And what's even worse, you may try to convince yourself that you don't really want that thing after all and just kind of stop yourself. And that's and that's when you get stagnant. And that's when you start feeling like you're doing the same thing every day. When you're telling yourself that there isn't anything more for you or that it's somehow wrong for you to desire more, it has its basis in some kind of shame. 
What about this? Um, let's just, let's say you just want like more in your life. So that can be anything, right? It can be more adventure, more, uh, more ideas, more creativity, more connection. Uh, in your own mind, name your more. But if you've been shamed by anything that is remotely related to that thing you want, it makes it so much harder to access it. I want to provide some contrast so you can see how real this this really is. Um, Look at children. If they want to sing, they sing as loud as possible. If they want to dance, they dance. If they want to spin around until they get dizzy and fall down, they do it. If they want to take pictures of themselves, they do it. And they keep doing it until that first time another child, a sibling, or an adult says something like, stop singing. Ah, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear your voice. Your voice is terrible. Or you are the worst dancer. Or... When you fall down like that, you just look stupid. I mean, it could easily be a sibling or a friend that that started this, this shame over something that probably happened to you when you were a child that they probably don't even remember anymore. It, it made no difference to them. But yet you have been living in that protection since then. Your magic stopped. You stopped singing as loud as you can. You stopped dancing. You stopped acting silly. Because there was some kind of shame. Somebody shamed you in some way. And I want to ask you, where has the magic stopped in your life that made you not want to be you? The true self, the true you that has so much talent, that has so much divine potential, that actually has the ability to move mountains. Where is she? Where did she go? And why did she stop being who she really is? I hope... It's okay if I share a few personal experiences um, about shame and why I haven't been for most of my life who I really am. And these things, you know, there's a lot. There's a <laughs> there's way too many examples I could share with you. But um, I just want to share like a, just two, honestly, just two. And how these things have actually held me back and hobbled me, right? Hobbled me from being my true self, hobbled me from being me and hobbled me from being able to experience like the the exquisite manifestation and love that divine intelligence has for me. Um, That divine intelligence that wants to give me every, everything my soul desires. It's been blocked in many ways. And just starting to kind of figure some of these things out. One of the things that I have realized, and this is one of my examples, 
But one of the things I've realized about myself is that I really just want to be seen. I want to be seen. And (laughs) I don't mean seen on Instagram. (laughs) But if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can, at Gina Kershaw. I'm joking. Um, But I think you know what I mean when I say I just really want to be seen. I... Like one of my greatest desires is to be truly seen by the people around me, by the people I love, um, for them to really like understand me. And how do people see you? Like what what would I be expecting with that? Well, um, people show you, they see you when they listen, they're curious or they share their insight or there's just this meeting of minds and hearts and they understand you. And if you have somebody like that in your life, you are blessed. You are so blessed. It is such a gift to be able to be the true you with another person and to be seen. So how does shame fit in with that? Um, And actually, even though this is a simple example, it's actually kind of a kind of a biggie for a lot of people. And it's something that really holds so many women back. Um, My experience is I was told by someone I love that I talk too much about myself, that I can be too much, and that it was annoying. (laughs) But I'm laughing because I'm talking on a podcast to like, nobody can really say that to me right now. So I feel kind of safe here. But honestly, um, since, since that moment, since that moment that I was essentially told to shut up, I've found it really hard to share my life stories and my experiences with another human in person. Because in the back of my mind, I'm always wondering, do they think I'm talking too much? Do they, do they want me to shut up and not tell them this thing? And that one small moment of shame has directly influenced all of my relationships. Because I am afraid to be me. I'm not comfortable just being me. I always have to have this voice in the back of my head, like, do they do they really want to hear me say this? They don't want to hear me say this. Do they really want to hear me say this? And what's happened is I find myself sitting quietly a lot of the time and just holding back. And nobody really seems to notice. And, and maybe you have felt that way. Like you couldn't share, you know, yourself a story you wanted to tell because you were worried about whether somebody really wanted to hear it. And that's shame, you guys. Um, And I definitely have a lot of it just lingering. (laughs) I'm trying to work through it, really trying to work through it. But the truth is that I really, really, I really just wish I could be seen and to be my true self, to be who I am. But the shame of that moment has really caused some soul damage. And 
I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, you know, being a victim here. I understand that. I'm not a victim. I don't have to stand as a victim. Like, oh, she said that. Poor me. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I just want to share a few of these things because um, I think a lot of us have experienced these and I'm working on it. I'm working on myself and I'm working on trusting myself and loving myself and wanting to share myself more. And you guys, please don't comment. Just get over it, Gina. (laughs) I really don't want to comment that says, just get over it. Um, Because I hear myself telling myself that in my own brain. And I wish I could. I wish I could. But like I said, I'm getting there. It's small steps, small steps. And I'm able to share a lot of myself, who I truly am on this podcast. So I'm very grateful for that. Okay, here's a second example. And this one is a hard one. Um, This one's been a really tough one for me. But um, I, I feel like a lot of women here will resonate with it. Um, If you've been following me for a while, you probably read my post about a year and a half ago about how I was roofied. And if you haven't read the story, I'm going to go ahead and link to that post uh, in the show notes if you want to read it. And if you, just in case, just in case you're wondering what getting roofied means, it means that I was drugged with a date rate drug type of drug. And so I just want to I want to share that story with you. Um yeah, I I hope it's okay if I do that. Um it's the the night kind of well, right before this night started, um my husband and I had been just really not connecting. Just uh, just we were both kind of feeling a little checked out. Um and probably had a lot to do with we didn't have kids anymore at home and we weren't quite sure how to connect with each other. And so he would go to bed early and I would, you know, sit there and watch TV and, um, and he would, you know, I could hear him snoring in the room and I would just be sitting there like, is this my life? Is this what my life's going to look like for the next 20 years? Like, I'm just going to be sitting here alone. So while I was sitting there watching Netflix that night, I poured myself a glass of wine and I just kind of, I was wallowing a little bit, but I i was thinking like, I just am not happy. I'm not happy. And so I had been in the habit of closing my rings on my Apple watch. If you know, you know. Uh, and I hadn't closed my rings that day. I hadn't walked. I usually like to walk. And I thought, you know what? He's in there asleep. I'm going to go on a walk. So it the sun hadn't set yet. This was in June. And it was about, I don't know, it's like quarter after seven or something. And I felt very safe. And I thought, I'm just going to go on a walk and kind of just work some of this angst out of my brain. <laughs> and so I, I walked down and I live pretty close to the pier at, in Newport Beach. And it's um, it's like less than a mile, probably not even a quarter of a mile away. And I walked past the pier and then I kind of walked back and there's a, a couple dive bars, like series of dive bars there uh, right next to the pier. 
which we had been in a number of times before. But in June of that year, in June of 2020, like COVID was kind of raging and a few places had opened up, but they really, it was like, you know, spacing everywhere. Like the pool tables were, had chairs on them. Like you couldn't do any of that. And everybody was, you know, distance, social distance. So as I was walking back home, I peeked into one of these dive bars called Blackie's and um, there really wasn't very many people in there. And I saw like kind of back by the pool tables, there was a, a bar stool and there's like a little shelf there. Nobody was there. And I thought, you know what? I'm just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go home yet. And I thought, well, I can, I can have another glass of wine. So I walked up to the bartender and ordered a glass of wine, which he poured for me right there. And I walked um, back to kind of over by the booths and sat there at this little ledge and just kind of enjoyed being by myself for a little bit. It was wonderful. During that time, I was having like a full-blown text conversation with my niece. Uh, so I, I had my head down. I really wasn't paying attention to anybody there. Um, and I had drank my glass of wine. And it was just sitting there empty. And I really um, did not want to go home yet, but I also wasn't going to have any more to drink. So I, I don't think I even had money with me. Um other than the, the little bit that I spent on that glass of wine. So I just sat there and I sat there with an empty glass in front of me for probably an hour and a half or so, um, just talking with my niece. And then the bartender walked over to me with a glass, another glass of wine. And he said, Hey, I saw that you're still sitting here. I, I thought I'd give you this glass of wine. It's on the house. Now, <laughs> here's where the red flags should go off in all of your minds. And even one of my daughters was like, Mom, you never take a drink from someone that you don't know. And if you didn't see them, pour it. But I just was so naive. And all I thought at that moment was, oh, my gosh, that's so nice. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's been a hard lesson. So I, he handed me the glass. It had been quite a while since um, I'd had that first glass of wine at home and probably an hour and a half since I'd had the second one there. And so I continued to, you know, look at my phone and, you know, surf the internet on my phone just um, and have a, this glass of wine. Well, I, there was a drug in it. I mean, bottom line, there was a drug in it. I remember at one point looking up and some creepy guy was like right in my face, standing right in front of me, um, like inches away from my face, looking at me. And I don't remember him even walking up. So I think I was like already starting to fade. But I remember him looking at me and saying, you're so pretty. And um, saying, are you okay? Do you need help? Do you want me to help you? And I remember saying no. But that's the last thing I remember. So I remember saying no. And 
I mean, a lot of bad things could have happened. A lot of bad things could have happened. Um, I ended up being found by my husband curled up in a fetal position in a dark alley behind the houses on the boardwalk. And I was in this corner in the alley in such a dark place that he actually walked past me and didn't see me. So here's what was happening on his end. He woke up around 11 and realized I wasn't there. And he tracked me on my phone and saw that I was down by the pier and just thought, oh, she's probably on a walk and should be home pretty soon and just let it go at that. And then he said, you know, maybe about a half an hour later, he checked his phone again, like she should be here right now. And I was still in the same place. Well, it made him a little worried, like, what is she doing? there. And um, so he he actually got up, went to look for me, walked down there, kind of walked around the parking lot down there, which is where it showed I was and couldn't find me. He looked in Blackie's, he looked in the other bar down there and just like was looking for me and couldn't find me. And so we went back home, went back to bed. (laughs) And then he was sitting there and he couldn't go back to sleep. 10 minutes later, he's like, where is she? So he got up again, got dressed again, put his clothes you know, on and got his phone, was trying to track me and started walking with the phone. And, th- and that's when he walked past me in the alley. And then he came back the same way. And that's when he found me. So kind of worst nightmare for for you know finding somebody you love like that and I don't even know how long I had been there. Um he woke me up. The first thing I remember is seeing his face um above me as he leaned over to try to pick me up and I remember telling him I think I've been drugged. And he, you know, kind of put his arms, you know, under me and try and helped me home and then put me in bed. I think, I mean, I don't know what happened, but I think that the dark being in the dark there may have saved me from some evil fate um, because I was so well hidden I don't know if that creepy guy tried to find me after I walked out of Blackie's. Um, And I don't remember any of it. What I do remember, what I do know uh, for a fact is that I wasn't sexually assaulted. I still had all my clothes on. Um, Well, I should say I wasn't raped. I don't know what else may have happened while I was completely incapacitated. Um. And, you know, something I really haven't shared before, but I'm going to share now um, because it has to do with the title of this podcast is that I almost died that night. And I know that in my soul. Um, I think that I was very close to dying when Kenny woke me up. 
And the reason, the reason why um, I feel this way, and I really haven't shared it because it's, um, it's like, ooh, like soul searing when I think about it. But for days after this happened to me, I would, I kept trying to find that place, that sense of overwhelming peace that I had felt right before he woke me up. And the way that I was trying to find that again, like I kept trying to pull myself down into that by pulling covers up over my head, trying to make it as dark as possible, and then trying to sink in to try to find that peace that I had felt. And that's how I know I was close. <laughs> I was close. I believe that if Kenny hadn't found me that night, that I would have died. Um, and, you know, it, it, it hurts me to even talk about that, um, to talk about what happened and how I didn't even know what, what truly happened to me. Um, and that's kind of this idea of the dark night of the soul, right? That's, that was, that was a dark night of the soul for me. It was truly a dark night of the soul. And what I needed more than anything after that experience, all I wanted, all I needed was for my husband to hold me and to tell me I was safe and to let go, you know, any of the, the crap that we had been going through or the disconnection that we had been going through. If he could have just held me and told me I was safe and that he loved me, um, that, that's what I needed. That's what my soul needed. Instead, <laughs> what happened was I was shamed, <laughs> bringing it full circle back to the beginning of this podcast. I was shamed. I was blamed for what happened. Um, he was very angry, which I under understand. He said some horrible, horrible things about what could have happened to me and I wouldn't realize it. And I had to agree like, yeah, that could have happened. But I wouldn't know. Um, he he went down to Blackie's and demanded that they review the the videotape. Um, they didn't show him anything that happened, but they said, oh yeah, nothing happened. She just had a glass of wine and then she stumbled out. She must have been super drunk. So he was just so angry. He's like, this is your fault. Um, he didn't say that exactly, but he did say, you were probably just drunk. You shouldn't even have been there. Um, you just probably passed out. And even though I had personally experienced it, I knew the first glass of wine I had at home. I knew I had one there at Blackie's. And I knew I was having a conversation with my niece. And I knew I was totally fine and not even feeling tipsy until that glass of wine the bartender brought over to me. But he was so convincing that I even started to question my experience. I was like, was I too drunk? Like, what happened? 
So I've, I had to, later, I had to follow the clues of what happened. I woke up with a chalky mouth, which apparently is a symptom of using drugs. Um, I had this weird, weird euphoria when I woke up that morning where I just wanted to tell everybody in the world about what had happened um, until that wore off. And then I'd crawled into bed and basically could not function. Um, when I woke up, I was covered in urine. That just, that doesn't happen to me. Um, and then of course, like I said, there was just this complete inability to function, complete inability to interact with or talk with anybody after it wore off. And yet it was my fault. I mean, I didn't get that. I didn't get that, you know, those open arms. I didn't have somebody hold me. There was no understanding. And basically there was just no safe haven. And later on, like when I when I was researching it, trying to figure out like what was that drug I got, I was able to research some date rape drugs. And based on the experience that I personally have, I believe that the drug I was given was called GHB. It matched up with all of the symptoms that I had. And then I did read that you should never mix GHB with alcohol because it can be fatal. And everything lined up for me. I know that many of you, many of you have experienced trauma much worse than what I'm sharing right now. And you didn't get a safe haven. And I just want to put my arms around you now. Many of you went to somebody you thought you could trust, someone you thought you could share what happened to you with, maybe a parent or a spouse or a teacher or a bishop or a priest or a pastor. And instead of receiving love and understanding and a solid space to stand in, you were shamed and questioned, and told to just let it go. And that woman is still hurting, and still wanting to be seen, and still needing to feel safe. And can I just say, there are just way, way, way too many women that do not feel safe in sharing their life experiences. If I can, I just want to stop right now and tell you that you are loved. I believe you. You are worthy. You are good enough. You are beautiful. You are a beautiful divine being.
And I, I want to be the one who says to you that whatever happened to you was not your fault. It is not your fault. You did not ask for that situation. You did not deserve to be in that situation. It was not your fault. And if I can just be for a moment your safe haven, imagine me holding you in my arms and telling you, I believe you. You are safe now. I hope it's okay that I shared this with you today. Because I'm one of you. And all, all women, we are all one. We are all together. We flow together. And I continue to feel a lot of shame on a lot of things that definitely hold me back. Shame that keeps me from singing and dancing and spinning and going after everything I want. Shame that keeps me from sharing the true me in my relationship, in my relationships. And I don't want to feel shame. It hurts. So the situations where I think I could be shamed or hurt, I avoid. I avoid those situations and conversations when I can. But I'm learning. I'm learning so much more about myself. I'm starting to really love myself and trust myself and realize I'm just this freaking amazing person. (laughs) And so are you. And I want to share with you that this shame doesn't have to, it doesn't have to hold space with you anymore. It doesn't have to steal your life energy or mine. And it doesn't have to hold you back from being the true you and going after what you really, really, really want in life. You deserve every good thing. And There is nothing that you can do that would keep you from deserving what you want. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share this. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for staying to the end for those of you who didn't (laughs) turn me off already. Because like, whoa, this is going to be, oh, this is way too much, Gina. See, that's me again, right? Like the shame comes back in. Oh. Dang it. Honestly, this podcast just it came straight from my heart. It came straight from my heart. And share it. I hope you'll share it. I hope you'll share my heart with someone else who might need to hear today that they are loved, that they are safe, and that someone believes them. I just want to finish off by and close this podcast today by telling you what I truly believe about you, that you are beautiful. 
You are a divine being with talents and potential that you haven't even scratched the surface of. You are loved and you are absolutely worthy of everything, everything that you want. And no one can take that away from you. No person can take that away from you. No situation can take that away from you. All right, you guys, thank you again. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for being here today. I truly appreciate you being part of the podcast and for listening. I have so much good stuff to share. Thank you for being here and subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed yet, why haven't you subscribed? I really have some good stuff and it's all about empowering women. It's all about helping you find who you are again and manifesting a life that you truly desire, manifesting a life of your dreams. I want that for you. And there's so much here that can help you get to that place. So share the podcast with somebody who would benefit from it and leave a review. The reviews really help for this podcast to be more searchable. And so that somebody who might really need to hear one of these messages will actually find me. So leave a review, subscribe, and head over to my website, ginakershaw.com. I do have a few things going on over there, a few freebies for you, and get on the newsletter, get on um, the email list. I'm always sharing things there too without inundating people, so you don't have to worry about that. But there's so much good stuff to share, so I hope you will join me on the journey. I absolutely love having you here.